If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's essentially the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need on one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your pod right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your pod on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey guys, welcome to Let's Process This with Melinda Hill. We are happy you're here. We, meaning me, pretending I'm a we for some reason. Hi. Let's Process This is a podcast about processing and overcoming trauma and transforming it into creative treasure and life treasure because we are not defined by what happened to us, but we are defined by what we do with what happens to us. Hello. We also talk creative process, like how does stuff get made? How are people making things? How are people making it through things? My intention is that you will feel inspired and empowered and illuminated by the insights that you find here. And also, of course, entertained. Some quick announcements for you. If you're so inspired, please support this podcast by subscribing for free wherever you get your pods and rating it and leaving a nice review. Yummy, yummy review time. You can become a patron now directly on anchor.com or on patreon.com. So hop over there and become a patroon. You can access all this stuff at my website, melindahill.com. If you can do all or any of that, we are so grateful. We, of course, just meaning me. Another announcement for you. Very exciting. My comedy special, Inappropriate, is now out. What? Yes! I am so excited to share this comedy special with you. You can get it at melindahill.com or wherever you get your specials. It's also a comedy album. And you can get that wherever you get your comedy albums. The special is called Melinda Hill, Inappropriate. Few people said a few things about it. Hollywood Chicago says, combine the hilarity of prime observational comedy with the zen of inner peace, and you have Melinda Hill's stand-up special, Inappropriate. The sharp master of laughs delivers an hour of riffs on her life and her loves. Off the Tracks goes on to say, Melinda's special is bold, funny, and deep. A hilarious comedy hour jam-packed with laughs. Speaks to her development as a joke writer and deliverer, but also arrives at exactly the right time. Ooh, we love arriving at the right time. Gotta love that divine timing. Guys, did I mention that we are so happy that you are here today. Thank you so much for all of your support. Let's get into it, shall we? Hey everyone, welcome, happy Thanksgiving. Welcome to Let's Process This with Melinda Hill. This is the podcast where we talk about processing and overcoming obstacles and trauma and turning it into creative treasure. Good morning. We also talk about the creative process and I'm so 
excited today to speak with my guest, Nicole Payone. I was just finishing her movie. That's the laughter you heard in the background. The bloopers reel at the end of her film, Friendsgiving, which just dropped. And I think it's the perfect Thanksgiving movie. And that's why I'm excited to speak with her today. I think it's a great movie that everyone could, it's a feel good, uh, you know, heavy female ensemble comedy, perfect for the holidays. It's also distributed by Saban Films, who uh, is uh, the same distributor of my movie that I'm in called Love Weddings and Other Disasters, starring Diane Keaton and Jeremy Irons out uh, next week, December 4th. And I've been speaking with my castmates from that film every day here, 9 a.m. on my Instagram Live. And today I am so excited to speak with Nicole about her great film that she wrote and directed. So let me tell you about Nicole. Uh, she has been described. Good morning, Kanj. Good morning. And for everyone listening um, at home, this is filmed live on Instagram Live. So you'll hear us stopping from time to time to take comments. And um, yeah, this is a podcast you guys can all subscribe to for free. Uh, it's called Let's Process This with Melinda Hill. You can access it wherever you get your, your pods. And um, you know, if you enjoy the podcast, leave us a, a nice review, rate it, share it with your friends, subscribe, um, all that good jazz. There's also now a Patreon. You can become a patron directly on anchor.com or on my website, melindahill.com. All right. Nicole has been described as a character goddess by Variety Magazine. She was on the Big Gay Sketch Show in, and she was in some Adam Sandler and Judd Apatow movies. And her bio says that she also has an athletic history and she was on Wall Street. So I wanna hear more about that. But now what's super exciting, um, good morning, Nicole, send me a request to join. Oh, there you are. Okay, here's Nicole now coming on this IG Live. Okay. Okay, actually, I just sent you a request. So Nicole Payone is the writer-director of Friendsgiving. This is her first feature. Friendsgiving is a movie she wrote and directed, and it is produced by Ben Stiller's Red Hour, and it stars Kat Dennings, Chelsea Peretti, Aisha Tyler, Malin Ackerman, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Malin. Yeah. Malin. Hi, Nicole. D Hi, how are you? Good to see you. Um, know, nice to see you. I'm listing all your fabulous cast here. Oh. We've got Kat Dennings, Chelsea Peretti, Aisha Tyler, Malin Ackerman, Dion Cole. I was in my first comedy appearance ever on TV was with Dion Cole. Oh my God, lucky. Jane Seymour and Wanda Sykes. I am yes. so excited to talk to you Me about too. this. How are you doing? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. I love that we're doing this on Thanksgiving. It's so perfect because Friendsgiving is a perfect holiday film, but specifically a perfect Thanksgiving film. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I, I couldn't believe that I got to it first. Yeah, like I was thinking that I was like, it's one of those great things where you start watching it and you go, 
Friendsgiving, what a great concept. Why has no one thought of this before? Yeah, I was, there was another script uh, and we were racing to the finish line. When we were in pre-production for our Friendsgiving, they had sent an offer to Malin to be in the other Friendsgiving. Uh, thankfully, she was producing ours and uh, we had her locked in. But one when the deadline article came out about ours, the guy who wrote the other one was getting all these texts and calls from friends. I guess they didn't read the full article, but um, unfortunately, they were not for his movie. Oh, so there's another Friendsgiving. There's a dueling Friendsgiving. There was, there was when we were in pre-production. Okay. We kind of, we got to it first. You got to it first, so yours got made. Yes. Okay, I have so many questions. I just took copious notes as I was watching it this morning. By the way, perfect Thanksgiving film. Everyone out there, Thank check you. out Friendsgiving. Um, and by the way, how do you pronounce your last name? Is it Payone? Yeah. Good. I just wanted to check because sometimes you pronounce people's names in, by spelling and it's wrong. When sure. is the first time we met? Do you remember? I was trying to remember. I, I just feel like we always knew each other from birth. I like, I don't remember the exact time we met. I think it was, I remember it was at the Groundlings. It was around the Groundlings kind of days. I remember your Tooth Fairy sketch with Kristen. Yeah, that's the time that I met you with like at the yeah. Groundlings, around the Groundlings, Drew Drogi, yep. Liz Feldman, Kristen Wiig, Confessions yes. of a Tooth Fairy sketch. I remember you lived in the same building on Vermont with uh, I can say this now because you don't, I'm sure you don't live there anymore, but it was the same building with Drew Drogi. You guys were neighbors. Yes. And then Drew came to a happy hour that I hosted at Figaro. I've been friends with Drew forever and you have too. And then Drew ended up moving into my duplex. So we were basically like roommates, but we had our own separate units in Los Feliz. <laughs> Um, yeah, I feel, and you've been around forever and then you were doing stand up. Like what was your journey to becoming a filmmaker? Yeah, well, it was, um, it was sort of a, a, um, a wiggly one. It wasn't just a straight, uh, I, I didn't realize that I wanted to be a director. I didn't realize that my brain is, I, I just, I, sorry, I, I didn't realize I wanted to be a director because it wasn't something that when I started, there weren't many women at the helm. So I just, it was almost a dream that I didn't know that I had when I first started. So um, in the beginning, I, I was working on Wall Street in my 20s. Like I. What I, happened there? How did. How did that happen? Well, I after college, I I was kind of kicking around. Like I took an acting class, but you know, I had I had family who like uh, my cousin uh, went out to Hollywood on a bus and came back three days later, and I'm like on a bus, like fly. Um, and then uh, another cousin was trying to be an actor, and he was he was you know kind of talking it down, and so they kind of scared me a little, and I. 
I I went for like I went to go to, to lunch with a friend in a financial. She worked at a financial company, and she, and this her boss was a trader, and I was like taking in all of the like he was a currency trader, and I thought that was so fascinating. I I I I interviewed with this company, and I became like a a currency trader, and I was trading people's money. Uh, it was a fascinating world. I loved it, but there was, I mean, there was a lot of shenanigans going on and like, what? I worked, like, like I worked for three companies that were all owned by the same, uh, Chinese people and they were laundering money and I had no idea what was happening and they would push me like I was doing well. They would push me to the next company. So I wouldn't find out what was happening in the last one. But every time I would get to a new company, the last one would be shut down. And so by the time I got to the third company, I was like, wait a minute. I was a real sleuth. And I was like, something's going on here. And the whole thing just fell. It was a bucket shop. It was like that movie Gambler Room or Boiler Room with Ben Affleck. And I had started taking acting classes while I was on Wall Street. Cause I felt safe enough to like explore that. And I was, I remember being 23 and, and feeling really grateful that I had found what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And that was be in the entertainment business and be a creative person and be an actor at that time, I thought. And so I was like studying Shakespeare and, and doing like serious uh, dramatic work in New York. And people were laughing. And so I was like, maybe, maybe I should be like a, people seem to be responding to me as a funny person. Um, and so maybe I should go down that road. So that is really great that you were able to follow uh, what was happening. You were able to listen to the signs, follow the signs. I'm wondering if this business acumen that you had in the financial world has stayed with you. Like, are you still like a master investor, wizard investor? Are you great with finances? Did it help you with producing? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've fortunately been trading my whole life and I've kind of just kept that like, you know, to myself. Um, I thought what is what an what an incredible skill to have and I just you know it's risk versus reward and 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 that includes friends giving the movie I I put that together because I thought there's no way that this movie cannot make money like it's friends giving the concept has been growing 30% every year it the, that's not been done um uh, you know, female comedies, female comedians, thankfully, were were being uh, given more opportunities in, say, the last 10 to 15 years. And, and I just thought this is like the perfect package. And if we make it for a small enough budget, I felt that we could make a lot of money on it. And and I believe we are. We, wow. we are. I know we are. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. So Thank you. like what? Okay. By the way, everyone who's just tuning in, Friendsgiving is Nicole's film, uh, her directorial debut, correct? Yes. Um, yes. And she also wrote it. And uh, it is a female centric ensemble comedy about Friendsgiving. A um, lot of LOLs, 
lot of poignant moments. Great. I was just like laughing at so much in here. Um, Took all these notes, but I love the so many comedic powerhouses. What has the reception been with this film? It's been, it's, well, I'll tell you, when you release the film, you really learn a lot about the people who are talking about it. Like I, the New York times gave it an incredible review and it was just listed in the New York times as, uh, one of five of the best Thanksgiving movies to watch that alone. And Drew Barrymore loved it. I'm like that alone. I'm done. I'm not reading another review. I, my PR company sends me the reviews and at the top they write negative or positive and I don't read the negative ones. I, I feel like this movie is so special to me. It's based on a true, a fairly true story uh, between my friendship with Mullen Ackerman and a Thanksgiving that we had where we were both going through breakups. And so to experience that, the beauty of that day, and then to be a female comedian and get to write about it, the movie captures a small capsule in time for me in my life that was a really special one for me and, and my friends and, my, and, and Mala and her son. Her son is now seven years old, and, and that started a, a time when all of the aunts and the friends helped her raise her son. And so it's so special to me. I really don't care if Bob from so-and-so hates it like it's not for bob you know it's for the women and the people who've made it and and i feel like everybody is entitled to their opinion but it was so special to me i am overjoyed by just the fact that it lives yeah Um, and I love that yeah. you're you're keeping it a celebration for yourself right now and that you don't read anything that's not positive and that you've allowed those reviews, Drew Barrymore loving your movie and your like own New York Times great review to be enough. And that it's a celebration of a time capsule of your friendship with Malin. How did you meet Malin? Interestingly enough, that building that I lived with, uh, where Drew lived below me, he was in 111, I was in 211. And for those of you uh, who live in LA, it's a building where you either visited somebody in it, you slept with somebody in it, or you've lived in it yourself. It's on Vermont Ave, across from the Dresden Room. Uh, they're called the Hollymont. I had a, a Murphy bed, and uh, Malin's best friend was Wait, having lunch. At the- what was the rent there? Oh my God, that's a great. Was I'm guessing it was like nine hundred or six hundred. I think it was like eight hundred dollars. Yeah, eight hundred dollars a month, or maybe seven, and went to eight. Um, but yeah, uh, Malin's best friend went to the Figaro Cafe, and she was looking at the building, and she was like, "Oh, I love that building," and she was having lunch with a friend of mine. And my friend was like, well, my friend Nicole lives in that building. Let's go see it. We can see her apartment. And I was home and they came over and, and I said to her, give my name to the landlord. Maybe you'll get an investor. And maybe two, two months later, I was walking down the street and I bumped into her and she was like, oh, I, I just. I walked back into the building 
I walked back into the building and my, the guy who lived right across the hall from me was moving upstairs into a one bedroom. And I was like, Oh no, I think she's moving right across the hall for me. And so Malin's best friend moved right across the hall from me. Her name was Laura and Malin would come over all the time. And we just all became friends. And that was when I was in the ground and Sunday company and they came to visit me all the time. And then Malin was moving into a house which Friendsgiving is based on the house that she eventually ended up buying. And she wasn't like a bona fide celebrity uh, that she is now. And she needed to split the rent. And so she and her then fiance asked me to move in with them. I was like, I'm not moving in with a couple. And I went to the house, had an incredible view. And I was like, okay, I'll take it. And we lived together for three years in that house. And it was a beautiful existence. Oh, that's so great. I love how we move to LA and we find our tribe so easily in all the places that we go. That's where they are. Like I went to the Groundlings. I met all of you guys. I ended up, Drew ended up, Drew Joby moves into my duplex. And it's like, I have this tribe. I feel like in Los Feliz too, there were so many great comedians and everywhere we go, we, we see friends. I love that story. So how did you come to write this movie? Because I was I was watching Friendsgiving and I was like, are these characters based on real people? So they are, they're all based on people from your life. Because here's the thing, when I went to Groundlings, one of the best things that I ever learned was from Tim Bagley, who taught Amazing. my writer's yeah. lab. And he said, he's like, you have a knack for this. Like you're, you're, you should keep doing comedy. He was like, here's what helps me. He gave me two tips that I use to this day. Um, He said uh, he likes to dance around naked to to warm up and get get rid of nerves. And the most important thing, he said, annoying people are the greatest goldmine because they become the best characters. And so throughout my life and comedy career, without you know, calling anyone out or bashing anyone publicly, I would never do that. But I use real people constantly as inspirations for characters and stand-up and characters and scripts. And I was watching your movie and I was like, this feels like it was so based on real circumstances and people. So what was it? Absolutely. It was, it was, it was, it's less about certain people and more about certain characteristics like the shaman claire i have a friend back in connecticut i love i love her that was like my one of i think that was my favorite character chelsea peretti amazing yeah i have a friend back in connecticut who is an energy healer and she's studying to be a shaman and and she teaches a class for other would-be shamans and she and i talk like twice a week about this false pretense that people have. And we see it a lot in LA when people get into spirituality or when I did it too. Like a lot of these characters were based on me. Like when I started studying say Kabbalah or whatever, I was wearing my red string and I was telling everybody and I was had this false sense of, of, of happiness or not necessarily false sense of happiness, but you know, you, you have, you wear this spiritual badge, uh, and and I just that was a a, a nod to to um, that sort of personality. And when 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 
you know, we, we see it a lot in LA and, and so that, that I had to, I had to put that in there. And I, I believe it was Chelsea who came in and gave me another little um, tidbit for the character in the meeting. And so a lot of the characters are what the actors also bring to it as well. Like the Mike, Mike Rose character, Gus. So good. He was mm -hmm. just, I was LOLing. Yeah. So good. That truly was almost, it was like 99.9% .9 Mike Rose. I, in the script, it just said hipster guy. And he came in and said, thank you for having me. And I begged the studio. I said, listen, let me hire this human. He is a very good friend. We've worked together. I trust him. We will build this character on set. And so that was what happened for Mike's character. With all of the different characters, some of them were definitely, uh, most of them were on the page. But with Mike's, I, the studio let, they trust, it's trust, you know, it's trust. And, and I think from Groundlings and the character work and the stand-up work and the improv work, I truly when I was at the helm, it all made sense to me. All of the stuff that I that I did comedically, it all kind of came together and I was able to know how to, you know, work with an improviser or stand up. Like they're different mediums and you have to know how to kind of communicate and figure out the psychology of how a comedian talks and works and and so and you have to do that pretty quickly when you're on a three day a three week shoot yeah okay so it was three week shoot it was a million dollar budget it was and you had how long to prep it three weeks okay so you like knocked this out so what did that break down to on set did you do like two takes each and move on was there like a scripted take and an improvised take what was your process there yeah it was different for every scene that certainly it wasn't two takes um it was we, we we shot what was on the page and then and then we played a little bit and, and some scenes were more than others like like certainly with the ancillary characters we definitely played because um those guys they 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 could bring so much more than than what i had on the page and i'm okay with that i was okay with i mean the script was certainly uh there we i developed it with ben stiller and nikki weinstock and nikki as you know wrote he developed bridesmaids and all of judd's comedies and so the script was fully there and as per kat dennings she, she read the script in an hour and a half and she was like i have to do this and so that to me was such a, a, a boost of confidence. Like every time each actor in this movie said yes, I was like, wow, I was blown away by how it was shaping up and the support, like the, this cast coming together for our little movie and showing up for me, it was, it's, it's to this date, like one of my greatest memories or feats or, 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 you know, experiences comedically. Yeah. It's really, it's really a triumph. You, you should be very Thank proud you. of yourself. I'm so proud of you. Thank it's you. Super inspiring. Super inspiring. Um, where did you have one location the whole time? Was it just that house? 
Uh, it predominantly was that house. We had we shot in the grocery store and and uh, we shot the ho hospital. But for the most part, I think we had four locations. Okay, which made it a little easier to prep the movie in three weeks. I mean, not much. My producer was like, normally you have six weeks to prep a movie. You're a new director. We're going to give you eight. I had three. Plus, I was doing major rewrites. So it was, I mean, it was a tough, tough schedule. What um, was your writing process and your casting process? So writing is funny. I wrote this thing on my own from like 2014 to 2016 you know, like just kind of on the side. And then I brought it to Malin and she and I sat down and she kind of informed her character a little bit more, like what she was going through that day. And I wanted to be really careful not to judge any character, I, I, you know, because the two characters are going through, they're just handling breakups differently and there's no right or wrong way. It's just where we are. And I wanted to, just make sure I honored, you know, what Malin was going through at that time. And so then we, we shopped it around and we had a few companies interested in making it. And then we met with Red Hour and Nikki Weinstock and, and Nikki. Days. I had followed his name everywhere. There was something about him. I think it was when Kristen and Annie were doing Bridesmaids. Annie had said to me, like, oh, I'm working with Nikki Weinstock. He's brilliant. He's amazing. And I remember thinking, oh, I wish I, I just, I want my own Nikki Weinstock, you know? And so when, when the email came in that I was meeting with Red Hour and I didn't realize that Nikki was over there and it said Nikki Weinstock, it's one of those moments in life where you're like, is this it? Is this how it happens? Like nine years later, you've been wanting to work with this person for nine years and then it comes in. I just, I felt like, I felt like it was it. And, and it was, um, Nikki and I developed the script for about, for about eight months. Okay. So you and took, you took your draft that you'd been kind of honing on your own for a few years yeah. on the side. Like yeah. when, what was your writing process? Were you like writing 20 minutes a day or just whenever you could? And then you brought that to him. And then what did that look like when you brought it to him? Yeah, I was writing it more. I was writing it like maybe at least an hour a day, just, you know, breaking down the beats and figuring out I'm more of a, an, a kind of an experimental character based writer. And so for me, the challenge is what's the idea and what do you want to say? I really like to explore. I love, I was a psych major. I'm, I'm going for my master's in spiritual psychology right now. I, um, at Santa Monica college, I wanted to do that, but at, uh, it's, it's called the, it's Mount Shasta. How cool. Yeah. That's the only program that they have. Like, the Santa Monica College doesn't give a master's. So what will you, what will your master's be in? Spiritual psychology. Amazing. What do you do with that? Write you write another shaman movie? Yeah, you write another shaman movie. It's you, it's called Top of the Mount. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> um, so 
getting to work with Nikki on the development of it, he he was like, look, it's all there. He just had me like shift a lot of things around. Like there were some scenes in the end that like we just brought to the beginning. And once you do that, once you pick something out, it all kind of, you know, once you pull the string, then you have to weave, you know, other things and shift things around. And so it was more about story beats. He was like your, he was like your structure guy. He was my structure guy. Uh, because it's, it, it is tougher to do a movie in one day. Like you can't have them, you know, go out to coffee with a friend or like, there's a lot of times in movies, you know, they they, they go somewhere else and they talk about what just happened or, you know, but this was in one day. So there was a real conscious effort not to make it like a one day party movie. And I just really wanted to have the story beats that was a really important thing for this movie, which I, I hope that we, we, we did like, like when Abby leaves and says like, you know, it's okay. Uh, but it's also okay for me not to want to be here. Like I, you shifted the day. And so I'm shifting the day for me. And so it was a real struggle between those two characters to have the day that they thought they wanted. I thought the structure was very impressive. And it kind of reminded, I love the length. It's an hour and a half. I feel like no movie has any business being longer than that. But, um, and it was, and it moved, it was boom, boom, boom. And so, and I love, I love like at Groundlings, they teach us like, start at the height of the action. Don't mess around. People don't have time. Start at the middle of the scene. What's the crisis? What's the inciting incident? And I felt like you got right in there. Now I'm invested and I want to see what's going to happen. Oh, great. Yeah, it, it definitely moved. You know, I, I, I look at it and I go, all right, you know, it's very quick paced. And, and I, this movie for me, it was like I was in fifth gear and I was really trying so hard to, um, in looking back, I feel like I would have told myself to breathe and, and let the movie breathe a little bit. Uh, there's, there's, there's not a lot of like breathing room. And I, I, I just watched like Sophia Coppola's on the rocks and, and it's, it's so it's delicious. Like she takes her time with stuff and I'm like, she's the daughter of a, of an iconic filmmaker. She's allowed to take that time. And good for her that she utilizes it. If I were to give myself notes on this, like, yeah, I would allow myself to take time a little bit more time and be a little bit more delicious with things, but there wasn't time. I had three weeks. I had, you know, like this movie is so much more about getting it made and what it was and what it went up on screen. What went up on screen to me is, a fragment of what really happened and and for it to be packaged in in the way that it is and for it to be have the success that it's having i i just i want to tie a little bow around it honor it and i'm so excited to to bring everything that i learned to my next one yeah that's so great so this was kind of your film school 
Did you yes. go? Did you go to film school, or did you read Save the Cat, or did you just wing it with the script? No, I, I absolutely went. So when I was working on Wall Street, I had another like um, aha moment, and I was working with this manager, very new, and he was like, "You should try to get into NYU." Uh, uh, you know, like student films as an actor. And I had moved on to this, this other company and, and I, th that was like on a Monday. And then on a Tuesday, I got a random call from a guy I worked on wall street with like a year prior. And he was like, Hey, I remember you were taking acting classes. Do you want to be in my cousin's NYU student film like the next day? And I was like, are you kidding me? It was a sign that, you know, keep going, keep going. And so I developed, I started a production company with those guys and we did an NYU student film together. We were the only, I, to be clear, I did not go to film school. I did not go to NYU, but I started working with them and we did a feature together that I produced. I had the idea, I bought a digital video camera and we were the first NYU uh, student film to ever shoot on digital video. That's how how long ago it was. And so when I moved out to LA, I moved out with a digital video camera. And to be honest, I started acting like I just went in that direction. It didn't occur to me that I should be making movies and 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 I just thought, oh, I'm going to be an actor and then I'm going to like, you know, get on SNL and then I can do that. It was a, a lot of it was like, and then I can do that. And so my years in LA were like amassing all of this experience, comedic kind of experience, stand up, improv. And, and I went to work for Funny or Die. And at Funny or Die, I was writing and producing and I pitched to the White House, the White Obama White House called, and uh, a bunch of us pitched and I got to work with the Obama White House on a video for climate change. And so I met John Podesta, who was running, he was a part of Obama's um, cabinet, and then he went over to run the Hillary Clinton campaign, and he brought me with them. He wanted uh, me to write a couple of videos for them and I wrote a healthcare video and the director couldn't show up and they were like, Nicole, you have to direct it. My stomach dropped and I directed it. And I, after I directed it, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, that's what directing is. I've been a director my whole life. I, I look back and I go like, as an actor, I was in my head all the time. I was trying to figure out the shots and, and the lighting and what they're doing. And they were just like, okay, you just go over there and say your lines. But I was really like a sponge for 15 years. And I look back at my commercial days and I was shadowing like this brilliant director. And so once once I did that Hillary Clinton video, my, my manager saw it and she's like, you're directing Friendsgiving. And I was like, we can do that. Like I can just attach myself to it like that. And she's like, yes, 
look at this thing. Like it was a, it was a circular table and it was like comedians talking and it wasn't an easy thing to shoot, but we did it. And, and then when I was on set for, in Friendsgiving, it all like, it all just came to me. Like I was like on the bullhorn talking to 200 people and a part of me was like, how do I know what I'm talking about? But I just did. So it was, and it was, yeah, it was pretty in, instinctive, intuitive for you. It was kind of a calling, an early calling that you didn't even realize. You didn't know how yeah. to articulate that it was a calling. I didn't know that it was. I, I, I almost I feel silly that like it didn't occur to me that I um, really should have gone for directing as opposed to acting. Like I still act, but but you know, standing there when I was in the Judd Apatow movie, I'm sitting across from Adam Sandler and Judd Apatow and Janusz Kaminski, who's one of the greatest cinematographers ever, they were talking and I was just like, I couldn't, I couldn't get enough of what they were saying to each other because it was so fascinating to me. And, and now that I have my first movie under my belt, I just, I feel so lucky that the universe kind of like, it had to force me into directing and that I got that opportunity. And when I, the, the, the amazing thing to me is that that opportunity came to me in 2016 by 2018, I already had friends giving in the can as a director. So it happened so quickly from, from a PSA to directing feature produced by Ben Stiller it happens so quickly. I mean, we have friends. I have friends who are directors who are trying to get their first movie off the ground for 10, 15 years. For it to happen in two years so quickly was a, was a sign to me of complete like alignment within within my career. Yeah, totally. And and hundred percent. And it's like how great that you could listen to that. Like, I I yeah. feel kind of the same. I'm not not totally the same as you, but similar in that I've been in acting classes going, this is so boring. I'd rather just be putting a short film together and asking yeah, yeah. and like writing a script and like shooting something. And I yeah. found it really hard to pay attention. Although I'm glad I gained knowledge in every part of my journey. I always have yes. felt like bigger picture, like putting people together, making a thing. So this is so exciting. So you, you were like, I'm going to make a movie. I think there's a demand for female centric comedy. I think it's going to make a lot of money. And you were right. So is this a reflection of our times? Hopefully so. I mean, there's so many ways now that movies can make money. There's so many outlets. Uh, there's, then there's so many opportunities for self-marketing, like Instagram lives and promotions. And like, we're doing a promotion with mini bar and, and we're doing Instagram lives with friends. And I really wanted the promotion of this movie still to be about friendship and people connecting, especially, I mean, at this time now, look, look what's happening. I feel like the power and beauty in the human spirit is all about con 
connecting and I believe in the beauty of, of humanity, at, especially at this time. There's so many beautiful things happening at this time and it's really about people coming together. And I wanted the marketing of, of the movie to reflect that because truly at the base of this movie, it's love and friendship. And I every decision that I had to make in this movie, I took a breath and I, most of the times, most of the times I listened to my instincts and it was centered in love, not fear. Mm, I love that. So you were really led. Do you uh, attribute that to your studies at the uh, spiritual in spiritual psychology that you come from a place of love or has that always been like in your nature? I certainly come from a big loving Italian family. Uh, and so that's the basis of like, my life um there was also you know a, a italian families like everything like i come from also like a fearful uh italian family like every time i went to the door my dad told me how i was gonna die going to do whatever it was i was about to go and do so th it, there's been a lot of like love love fear you know and they say you're, you're, it's either about love or fear and and so fear definitely would pop up of I think probably of not even thinking that I could be a director. Like maybe that was such an ingrained fear way back in, you know, my subconscious, who knows. But I do think that over the years in studying a lot of, you know, spiritual stuff, it helped me to just make the right decisions from love. And it was also Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller, he called me to you know it was like our introductory call and he said to me nicole i'm going to give you one piece of advice and follow it always he said always 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 follow your instincts no matter what and that to me was uh such a beautiful piece of advice coming from a man who i respect i mean his comedy his career is 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 incredible and he came from such an iconic family and uh for him to just even take the time to have that conversation with me and 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 spearhead this this i mean he on conference calls it was to hear ben go whatever nicole wants whatever nicole wants i just it was like he helped to unlock and open a door for me that, you know, no one had up until that point. Did you feel like you did? That's amazing, by the way. Did you feel that you it helped you to trust your own instincts when that happened? And do you feel like you're pretty good at it now and that they led you in the right direction with this? 100%. I feel... I can pinpoint the moments in the movie where I did not follow my instincts. And fortunately, it's only about three or four of them. Some of them are a little bit more major, but the movie is what the movie is. And, and I see where, oh, I didn't follow my instincts. I see it on screen. And next time, I'm not going to do that. Next time, I'm just going to, you know, complete, like putting a movie together in three weeks, you, you have to, you know, if someone has a stronger opinion about something and, and I, I didn't 
you know, say have the, the strongest opinion about one certain thing. And, and I, it's not like it, it's a disaster, you know, the, the, the decisions that I see on screen, it's not like, Oh my God, but I just abandoned maybe, or I, or I maybe 80% listened to myself and, and, and I, I see it, but I don't think anybody else will. Hopefully, I saw it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I love that. Trust your instincts. Like skip, skip film school, everyone, and just try go to trust your instincts school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What um, obstacles, if any? Looking at my notes, what obstacles, if any, did you encounter, and how did you overcome them to get this film made, or in your journey in general? Um. I think the obstacles, ironically enough for me, it was, I felt really confident, right? So that's a great thing. But I think the obstacle that I encountered, which now ends up being a gift, was the obstacle of like, well, I think it's tougher for women, or, or I think it's getting a lot easier, but in the beginning, I thought skipping, like going from acting to writing was just going to be an easy thing. I thought, you know, um, I just thought it would be, uh, all right, well, she, you know, she's done grounding, she's done this, like, of course she could naturally transition. But then it was just like, well, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold your horses, honey. Like, you know, you can't just hop around and be a writer and be a director and be an actor and be a producer. Like you, you have to, you have to, you know, uh, we have to see, uh, I'm probably, I'm not making much sense. Um, I thought it was going to be a little bit easier to, to be, you know, like a, a slash person. Um, uh, Multi-hyphenate. Yeah, multi-hyphenate. And um, people were like, not so was, fast. It not was so not fast. that easy. So were people, uh, were there a lot of no people who were like, no, that can't happen. No, that doesn't happen. And like, how yeah. did you traverse that to continue to follow Absolutely. your instincts and get I it? I mean, I just kept doing it. I just, I, I just did not stop. I, for me, this, this career, it's a gift and everything I did, you know, like I came from wall street. I, I didn't grow up in a creative family. And so navigating the, a creative life is, um, it was, it was a little bit more difficult for me, um, to follow my, to follow my instincts and to like, people say like, oh, I wanted to, I, I, I thought of an idea and I developed it. Like, I think I always felt this pressure of like, it's gotta be this and it's gotta be, it's gotta be successful. And like trying to make something for a reason other than it feeds your soul is a slippery, dangerous slope. Yeah. It has to, it has to feed your soul. I, I believe. Amen. Completely agree. So Nicole, like, how was it 
when Nikki came on board, like what were your meetings like? Did you meet at coffee shops or on Zoom? And was he like, yeah, here's some notes, go do them, come back? Or how, what did that look like? Nikki is, he's like a surgeon. He, he would email me and he would always start with a positive, like, it's amazing. Here's, this is great. I love this. And then he would go, here's just a few little things. And then it would be 57 things that he, he would point out or notice or see. And how about this and suggestions and plot changes. And his notes were, I mean, he would write paragraphs for each 57 things. And honestly, to get, to get that kind of attention, from somebody who is a seasoned master uh it i felt and it was all very collaborative he was like listen listen to any of it or none of it but what he had to say was just um a way to take the script further and to take people further and i would sit with them and and i would i would read his notes and then i would go on a walk and uh just kind of let them sink in and i wouldn't i would not address them for about four to five days i wouldn't start working on them i would see if they resonated with me mm. in in a natural way because you can also like you know there's the pressure of like nikki weinstock and ben stiller or you know nikki through ben or like giving you notes like you could get very nervous and you could then just become a like a typist you know like you you have to really have have it filter through you um i'm sure some people like maybe if they if i was younger i probably would have been a typist and 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 gone on and just done everything they said but but you know i i wanted it to to be i wanted it to resonate with me and and if it didn't yeah i oh. didn't do it Okay, I love that so much. Congratulations. I'm so impressed that you would take the time and space to go, does this resonate with me, my instinct, which is like you're following the number one note, right? Which is like, what's feeding my soul? What does my instinct say? And then you're like, you're not just taking everything and being like a Tasmanian taskmaster typist, like, let me fix this. Like, let me get you to approve of me energy. You're like, no, yeah. I'm deferring to my artistic judgment and guidance. That's how you pronounce guidance, right? Guidance. Oh, guidance. Of course, guidance. Um, I love I that you did that. This. I will say this. I, if, if this was a TV show, I don't know that I would have had that time. Like you, you can't take four days, like the TV schedule. And once we started shooting friends giving and everything, like I didn't have, this was faster than a TV schedule. So, um, I was fortunate enough to have the time and the money to be able to take that time. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't writing from a place of like, fear and panic and I got to get this made. And, you know, it was, I, this was my first project and my first big project. And I really wanted to honor the instincts. Beautiful, beautiful. And I noticed you weren't in it. Why is that? You didn't want to do a cameo? 
you know, it's funny, Mike, Julie Ashton, she was a casting director. She's like, you gotta be in it. You gotta be in it. I love Julie. There, uh, there was so much to do as a, I was doing a, you know, rewrite and prepping a feature film as a director in three weeks. That again, that's not a TV that's not TV like prepping you. You have to go out and find the locations and the look you have to create the entire thing. And for, I'm so thankful I wasn't in it because by the time we got to shooting on the first day, my schedule was so crazy. I was rewriting from like midnight to 5 AM I'd sleep from five to 10 and then I'd get up and go do the director prep. I had an eye infection, an ear infection. Like I was so sick by the time the first day happened. All of the behind the scenes uh, shots, I was like, I think we got like one day I I had the hair and makeup people like do my hair and makeup because I looked like death. So thankfully I was not in the movie. I also feel like writing and directing a movie, it's enough. Mm. I don't. Even Ben Stiller said to me he would he wouldn't he doesn't really write direct and act anymore or like you miss out on a collaborator and I love collaborating yeah I love being at the helm don't get me wrong there's no there's no bones about like whose project it is but I love collaborating with people and Kat Dennings getting to see her do her thing. And she's a master at what she does. And so I was honored uh, to have her, you know, play the character that was quote unquote based on me. And even just the small part, I just kind of wanted to sit back and, and kind of experience directing in every way and not, I didn't want to be in it. You didn't want to do the Tarantino coffee cup scene in Pulp Fiction? Well, I no, I, I am in it, uh, the baby sucking noise, that's me, thank you. And the, uh, I, I get a little like, yeah, cha cha in the, in the um, salsa dance. So I'm in there. I love it. Uh, also, I know I've worn too many hats in some instances and you don't get to enjoy, when there's too many hats, you don't get to enjoy the one hat or the two hats, yeah. so. Um, well, awesome, so like, what was the casting process like? Mm. That was really fun. Uh, so Malin, you know, was attached and, and then, then we brought, you know, Nikki and Ben came on board and then Nikki sent the script to Kat. We, we, uh, she was like our first, the first one that we went out to and she read it in an hour and a half and she was like, I have to do this. And so that was, an incredible we had we sat down and had tea with Kat and she's a delightful she's a delightful elf she's a wonderful human being and we just all connected and she said yes and so then there was that and I thought to myself oh my god Kat Dennings Mollen Ackerman what a cast what a cast now I'm gonna cast all my friends now and the, pro the ball just kept rolling. I, I had a brilliant lunch with Jane Seymour and she was so lovely and so funny and so charming. Uh, she wanted to do it. She, 
she was really passionate about it and and we thought she was right for it and we were right um and then we, we sat down with aisha tyler and i had worked with aisha uh, at funny or die a couple times so she knew of me and she knew nikki and she, of course she knew Mullen uh Mullen's work and we sat down and had a brilliant conversation about it and she's just an incredible uh she's incredibly brilliant and so witty and funny and sharp and smart and, and delightful. And so she said, yes. And then Chelsea came in, uh, to meet on it. And, and, and she said she would be up for shaman Claire. And then Dion Cole came in, drove in and we were auditioning at the time and fortune came in to audition for one of like the lesbian roles, the, the, the lesbian dating, uh, seen the apps you know the lesbian dates and there was a a white like reflection and Dion Cole was driving in in a white Rolls Royce and I was like who is this brilliant man like I begged him to be in it and he said yes and we asked Andrew Santino a lot of it were, were, were asks uh we 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 auditioned a few uh a few like the the roles of like the, the lesbian dating, uh, the lesbian dates and, uh, um, yeah, that was, that was it. It was like, it was like a lot of people coming and having meetings with us because they liked the script. That's, um, that sounds so chill. That sounds like a friends giving situation. Yeah, like the whole process was really the, the love and support this movie has received from from the people that it has. I, I, I it's my heart is so full. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's great. What uh, is next for you? Well, that's a great question. I have a feature that is we are in pre-production uh, that I'm directing. I'm here in New Jersey with my family and we're shooting in New Jersey. And so we'll be shooting that in January. Um, and I have a TV show that is in development and I'm shopping a feature around. Uh, like that's a more of a big budget studio uh, movie. So I'm uh, we're, I'm currently looking for a producer on that one. And so is that um, uh, is that when Top of the Mountain? Uh, Top of the Mountain is is a is a sentence that we just came up with, and so that is in development with Melinda Hill. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you? Do you like writing TV or film better, or do you love both? You know, um, I'm about to embark on. Uh, my own TV show. And so I think, so I truly haven't had the, um, I haven't been a showrunner on TV yet. Uh, I think that is going to be the greatest use of my skills because like I said, I'm a character person. I was a psych major. I am, I'm in awe of like the human condition and why, human beings do things and i feel like in tv you get to explore that a little bit more just because of the nature of time 
like in writing Friendsgiving, I, there were so many things I wanted to just, there's just so much and you just, it just has to be an arc. But with TV, if you have good characters, you, you want to see them doing anything. You want to see them exploring. You want to see them in the laundromat. You want to see how they drink their coffee. And, and I love the, the deliciousness of that and getting to explore that. So are you still like now that you're in pre-pro on several other things while we're also technically on vacation, is your process the same creatively? Do you still do like an hour a day writing or what's that look like for you now? Yeah, that's a great question. I've been, I would say since October, November, I've not written one thing. I drove across country with my girlfriend and we we've been having like mini holidays with her family and my family and so i i've been staying with people and we've been on the go for the last like every five days we're, we're exploring uh, a new kind of uh area of the country and so i'm right now i think i'm in the experience mode of 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 my next story and I'm just jotting things down on paper and my phone and there's not a, um, there need, I need to put in place. I, I wanted to kind of get through this weekend, this holiday weekend, and then put the next idea, start putting it on paper in like an hour to two hours a day. But I've been really, I don't want to say negligent because I do think there's the act of, actually exploring and living your life and going out and, and, and experiencing things that a writer needs. Like it's tough to come up with stuff sitting at your desk. Like you have to get out and out of LA, out of, you know, out of that bubble of, of, um, of, you know, the business. Yeah. You got to get yeah. out and experiencing life is the biggest part of the process. That is the it work. It really is. And that was one that I didn't learn uh, fast enough, I believe. Like, like I have an athletic background, so it's it's very much about like you know sometimes like getting it done, and and I I I almost like attack things like an athlete, and I had to like take a step back and go, oh, it's a process. Like you have to like practice every day. How you practice is how you play, and so writing every day is so vital and important. And if you're then going out and experiencing every day and you know that the next day you're going to get to write that down, like you're almost in fifth gear with, with your creative process and your flow. Yeah. I love that. And I also, it's, it's so much in alignment with the divine, the feminine divine of receiving to go out and experience things and like receive, like feel, you know, that's, and to not just come from that place of, or I got to make stuff happen, you know, but to be right. like receiving inspiration, germination experiences, and like really then more channeling it as opposed to grinding out. Right. And I think that's, that's so brilliant because that's where we are in the world right now. Like we've had a lot of masculine energy over the last, some brilliant years and you like you go okay guys thank you for your service you got us here you look where we are we just we're not as women saying step aside gentlemen we're saying 
thank you. We've come so far in so many ways. Let us now honor the divine feminine and listen to the divine feminine in what she is receiving and what she is about to put out into the world because women in every single area of this, whether it's business, uh, you know, engineer, any area of this world are stepping up and being heard more and more. And that just needs to keep happening because there needs to be a balance of masculine and feminine. I don't believe the future is female. I believe it's more female, but I believe that there just needs to be that yin and yang. And for so long, it's been, you know, a masculine thing. And, and I think my, um, athletic background and the do, 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 you know, the, the, the men are the doers, they're the givers. And I, I think I kind of fell back on that, but, but the now balancing that masculine feminine within myself and within the world, I think is the next big like hurdle. Yeah. Hurdle, but task. I agree. And it's a, a noble mission of integration and assimilation and it's a blend. And as you say, it's a balance because balance is bliss. Yes. We don't yes. want like all these gender are bad. All these are good. We want no, like, I no, know. we're all good. And let's just have a little more equal voice happening and e equal POV and an honoring of everyone therein. Yes. Like I'm thankful that the person who reviewed our movie from the New York times was a woman, because I think, I think Friendsgiving definitely skews female, but that's okay. You know, like I, I don't, I just feel like, you know, I didn't, I didn't make it for one particular gender, but it does skew female and that's what it is. Well, you know, Thanksgiving notoriously is a female holiday. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, all we care about is the tablescapes. <laughs> The cornucopia. Um, I love this film. For everyone just joining, Friendsgiving, check it out today. Thanksgiving, perfect movie for today. This is the writer and director, Nicole Pion. Uh, Nicole, I wanted to ask you, this podcast is about turning trauma into creative treasure. Mm. Have you endured or overcome any personal trauma that you've transcended and been able to transform that in, in any treasure and if so how did you do that like what was your process because i i sure, noticed well, like the break there was some breakup there was a breakup in the movie i wondered if yeah. that was one but i don't want to put words in your mouth absolutely i it's funny because you know when i started the groundlings and all that like i love the human condition and i was always being other people in sketch comedy we're always you know, sending up a personality or it's always about the other person. And so I didn't realize that I was a gay woman until much later, or I'd say like, I'm a fluid woman. I, I had been with men, but I just, it, it was lovely. But to me, 
being with uh, and really connecting with a woman, it's it's where it's at for me. Once I figured that part of my life out, that's when my comedic voice really hit and I started to get a little bit more personal in my writing as, as you know, one does. And it wasn't until I went through a breakup um, that I really, and I was, I was truly devastated by this breakup that is the breakup in the movie. And uh, the woman, she had kids. And so we were a, a little family for a while. And I had made Thanksgiving dinner and cooked for two Thanksgivings before the Thanksgiving that this movie is based on. And so when this Thanksgiving that the movie is based on rolled around, I was like, who's my, like, who are, what is my family? And it was even having to write the movie was it brought back all of those feelings. And I didn't realize how much uh, I would have to live and sit with those feelings while writing the movie, while directing the movie, while editing the movie, they stayed with me. And I had to really be cognizant of like the part is over. Um, and so the movie is a really a creative triumph in terms of dealing with, I wouldn't say trauma, but, but a, a devastating breakup. Yeah. And turning it into a creative treasure of a movie is such a beautiful use of a devastation that must've been very cathartic for you. Very much so. Uh, and it was, I was so wor not worried, but I was like, am I, when this movie comes out, am I, am I, am I going to be like celebrating it on my own? You know, like, yay me like popping a bottle of champagne and then over the pandemic i met a wonderful human being and so and we drove across country together and honestly just sitting and watching her watch it i just it was it was really lovely that's so lovely. nice how did you meet during the pandemic dating app amazing which one yeah um i i believe this was at Bumble. Okay. I know so many people who've met on Bumble during the pandemic. What am yeah. I doing wrong? I think you need to like help me revamp my profile. Okay. Done. Done. It was, it was like another kismet one. Like I'd been spending, uh, a friend of mine is, is from Texas and we've been spending, you know, quarantine time together. And, and I just, I was like, you sure you don't have a gay sister? And she laughed and and then I was like, I have to find myself a Texas girl, like just down home Texas. And then I was swiping. I wasn't even looking for anyone. I was just like, you know, kind of bored. I don't, I didn't really put any stock in the dating apps. I, it's, I, I, I hardly went on them. And two days later I found it said Texan living in LA. And I was like, Oh my God. And, that's not why I swiped, but um, I'm thankful I did because it was, uh, yeah, it's, she's a wonderful human being. I think this is a, a great time to meet people on apps or anywhere, actually, because I think people have a real sense of, hey, we might not be here in a year. 
Let's uh, right. Let's uh, urgency. Yeah. Yeah. It's the kind of inciting moment of the end of the world. That's kind of bringing people to what's what's important, what's important, what's real. Lady survey says psych to watch Friendsgiving today. We'll be rolling solo and I'm grateful. Amen to that. I'm grateful also. Thank you. Um, what was that? Uh, I know people are always like, I I've written about breakup stuff frequently and people sometimes can be like gosh is I guess you just keep meeting all these duds and I'm like actually no it was so cathartic to write that and I would only be writing it um from a place of being so over it and being so in gratitude for the experience and um having processed it and that to put it into to put it into some kind of art like made me so happy like to write my series romantic encounters or like the stuff that's in my comedy special it's like so over that stuff, so grateful for the experience, so happy to share laughter about it if anyone else is suffering through a breakup right now. And by the way, most of the people who are great that I've met, I've met so many great people and had so many great relationships, they're not ending up in the comedy because it was non-eventful. Right, right. Like, and you know, the, the end all be all isn't to get married. Like it's, it. There, there's not enough said about having a beautiful two-year relationship with somebody and then it going a different way. Like, what's wrong with that? Thank you. you get, I, yeah, up until, you know, a, a, a little while ago, I had not been in a relationship past two years, but I was like, they're beautiful two-year relationships and, and I hold them near and dear to me. Like, I think that's kind of the way to go. You get the best two years and then you, you, you skip out, but... Um, I love that. I, I, I heard, uh, I heard Cher say, uh, said, uh, I don't know if this is true, but I heard Cher say, I've got two years in me. She'll tell you up front. I've got two years in me and that's it. It'll be the best two years of your life. That's my max. And I kind of totally agree and love that. And also, by the way, if you've been privileged to be in love for one day, good job. A lot of people never even get that. What is enjoy, enjoy enjoy what you have? It doesn't have to be marriage. It doesn't. And to be uh, to be clear, Friendsgiving was based on the, the a breakup, but it is a little bit of an amalgamation of a lot of different women that I that I dated. And I had one woman say to me, like, "I love you to the moon and back." And then uh, we broke up two weeks later, and I was like, "I guess the distance between the moon and back is two weeks." You know, you would think it's a little bit longer, but hey, okay, now we know the distance between moon and back. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I love that line in the movie. Um, what what was that bus tour you did? Didn't you do like a very creative one person show? Drew Jogi was telling me about it. You were on like a bus. Yeah. What happened there? It was the same breakup that the movie is based on. Boy, that breakup really gave me a lot of... No, I'm sorry. It wasn't. It was um, a different one. I So I had a friend who... He was opening up a double-decker bus line in L.A. Like, I went to college with this guy. It was like an Italian guy from uh, Long Island. And he called me and was like, Look, you're funny. Would you ride on this bus tour and listen to it and I'll pay you X amount of dollars and just come up with like a funnier, like make, make it funny. 
And I was like, okay, yeah, I, I can, I can, I can do that. I had some time and I was going through a breakup at the time. And it was when Adele's, uh, I think 21 was out and I was on top of the bus and I was like crying <laughs> as we're driving. And I was like, I just want to drive this bus past her house and sing an Adele song. And then I was like, Oh, that's a really funny idea. Let me, let me do it. And, and I, so I, I went to the bus company and I was like, Hey, I want to charter one of your buses. My friends and I are doing a bachelorette party and I'm going to just tell stories. And so they didn't know I was doing a comedy show and, uh, I did it and the first one was wild. I just yelled at everyone the whole time about <laughs> about like it was like an hour of me yelling because I was so nervous because not everything was like planned out and the bus driver was driving really fast and we were whipping by things. But then I developed it over time and I did a, a run, like a six run, uh, a six weekend run of it and everything sold out and then I developed it was a pilot that Wanda Sykes uh, produced and, and it's still, it's still uh, kicking around. We're, we're developing it again because it's a perfect pandemic uh, show. Oh my God. I love that idea. That's so creative. That's so funny. Yeah. Like the unhinged was, tour guide, bus on, tour guide. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she, she, she's unhinged. And uh, it was, that was enough it, that it was the bus show and Friendsgiving when I finally found my voice and kind of grounded into who I really was as a human, as a spiritual person, as a gay woman, that's when those two projects kind of popped for me. And they're still kind of, they're giving back in so, many ways. So would you say standing in your authentic truth, like once you discovered what that was, kind of led to all these doors opening? It was key. It was key because I think I, I, you know, again, as a, as a sketch comedian, you're oftentimes playing other people. And so once I honed in on my voice, which wasn't really until I'd say 2012, 13, which was like, I don't know, 15 years after I started this business, then everything just kind of opened up for me. That's so affirming and inspiring. Like when you go pitch your TV shows or your movies, like to go hook up with your Nickies and your other people, your other teammates, do you just go in with an outline or do you go, I have this rough script and here's the idea. Like what's your process there to, to, to build your team, to get your team invested? Yeah, I think, um, I talk to my manager about it and then she goes, it depends on the idea. You know, I, I'm, I'm a visual person. And so I love creating like a visual deck and look, I love working on it. It's not, I don't think it should be called working. It should be called creating. Like I love all aspects of creating. And so when I'm working on an idea, yeah, I want to do like, I want to get movies that are like it and, Thankfully, I, I learned how to edit and so I can cut things together. And, and so maybe maybe one project will be like a, a, a video of the movies that are like it and, and the themes. Mm. And so that that's more for like a feature. I'll do like a little two minute kind of sizzle. 
uh, for so like smart. the bus show. We recorded one of the shows and and cut a sizzle there, uh, or like a TV show. It's like a PowerPoint thing with um, you know the character breakdowns and some photos, like the tone. And so I think it depends on on the project, but I love getting you know visual aids in there because I think it helps. I think you're that's so smart and it's so great that you know how to edit. That's genius. I went I tried to teach myself how to edit by going to the Apple Genius Bar and I was like, well, I was like, well, I'll just be hiring someone to do this the rest of my life. That's what I learned there. But um <laughs> but it's so smart to be able to know to do that and also yeah, almost everything I've sold is because we had like a little 2-minute sizzle reel because people can visualize that and they can feel the tone and they can see like, oh, I laughed so much in this two minutes. And so right. I, I think that's a great way to sell things or get yeah. get people excited to to join in. But like, what would you say to people uh, if you were to give any tips on like creating, continuing to create, like what's helped you the most? in your process? Like, do you have any, I'm trying to call I'm trying to get a, a hashtag catching on called hashtag wellness moments. What moments? Hashtag wellness moments, like wellness, but wellness. Like what? Got it. I love it. I love it. What um, helps you with your process and your wellness? That's a good question. Um, Really, look, there's so many outlets now for stuff. And there's so many people creating things. You have to create, like, what, find what makes you similar and then find what makes you different. Keep asking yourself, why are you telling the story and why does the story need to be told? It can't just be, well, I want to get a TV show on the air or, well, I, you know, like there can be no, well, I this or well, I that, or if I, if I do this, that'll get me that like, no, no, no. Right. Why are you on this earth? Like, what is your, what is your purpose on this earth? And then take that and write it in your own unique way and don't listen to anybody. Oh my gosh. Best advice ever. Thank you. You you mentioned two things like you wanted to start directing immediately a directing job was there. You wanted to meet a nice girl from Texas immediately you did. Do you attribute this to a spiritual practice or do you have any kind of spiritual practice or spirit just general spirituality, synchronicity, magic? Yeah, I I well my god. I so I grew up Catholic and and religion has always been uh, fascinating to me. And I studied every religion, like, you know, in when I was in college, just like Buddhism and Hinduism. And then once I started to delve into the spiritual stuff, I, Abraham Hicks is a big, um, I, it's all about the, the vibration and, and, you know, the vortex, as she says, and you, you attract things everybody in your life and everything in your life is based on your vibration. And so if you're in 
a vibration of love and creating and and manifesting then that's what's coming to you well well, we're always manifesting and you have to take a look at which is why i think what's happening now in this world we this pandemic has showed us all where we're at and if you don't like where you're at you as a human as a spiritual being you have the power to change it it's all you it's never anybody else it's always you and so if there's something in your life that you don't like guess what we live in america like we for the most part we can and do have the power to change our surroundings and so we all have to it's about changing your vibration and your energy does that make sense oh my god totally i'm the hugest abraham hicks fan and i absolutely believe in the power of writing and rewriting and creating your own narrative and you know taking responsibility for your energy field yeah and who and what you allow in there including your own destructive negative stories yep yeah yeah i a few years back was around like 2015 i i just i took a look at you know what and who was in my life and and you know that there are some people who you may go oh they're such great friends but then when you tell them something good has happened you see their face like they just they're operating under fear and you you can't be around that and and when i'll tell you when when you have a movie coming out you really you learn about friends and friendship even more i mean this movie people either love it or they absolutely hate me and i just want to go hey guys it's just the movie like really out man what? Yeah, oh, the hatred, the hatred that, that, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't read any of the negative reviews, but some of them sneak in and I'm just like, wow, dude, you have a real strong feeling about it. Like, it's just a 90 minute comedy. Like, take a breath. That says more about you than it says about me, you know? Yeah. And how has the response been? Like, when you talk about your, your friend circle, like, are people like, weird mad jealous supportive sounds that people have been so lovely and so supportive and you know even drew drogi right like he i i asked him to do this like you know you don't like you don't you never know who like i asked him to do like an instagram live and and we had drinks and you know i you don't know if somebody's gonna say yes or no and and the fact that like he posted about the movie and jumped on Instagram live and and chatting about it and and Stephanie Courtney did the same thing and and there are friends that are just really effusive about me getting this opportunity they don't you don't have to like the movie you know I don't I don't think the movies for everyone I don't think it's the greatest movie in the history of the world or the greatest movie ever it's just a movie that I got to make and and the fact that my friends came and su- supported me in that is it's 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 a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's really wonderful and it's also just like the celebration is hey you made a thing, 
amazing. And it's, right. it's one of many that you're going to make in your lifetime. And you probably learn the most on this thing. And that's like amazing to be able to support that. But I, I also think that Brene Braun thing of like only people who've done what you're trying to do can truly appreciate and support like, you know yes. what? Yeah, we're on a creative journey. We get how hard it is to make something happen and actually birth it out into the world. And it's like, we see you, we're holding you, we're supporting you. Um, That's really sweet. I'll even go further and say, with every mo every movie has a different vibe, has a different experience, has a different budget. Like to get a movie made and packaged the writer, director, creator, producer, you have to deal with about 500 people and, and seven different comp major companies. And you have to quarterback that and you have to create that. And so any movie that we see that has a DVD box has gone through a million emails, a million discussions, a million things. It's a, it's a success unto itself to get a movie and a project made. And I think that um, this, for me, this whole process taught me that there are some really beautiful and incredible people, including yourself, asking me to, to do this podcast. Like the support and the love that, that has come, come to me in this project has been incredibly overwhelming. I have a best friend in Pennsylvania. She threw me a backyard premiere, COVID safe, premiere uh and, and like a hay a hayride um and it was just absolutely incredible to get to do it oh my gosh that makes me so happy because i love this movie i'm so proud of you i'm gonna scream it from the rooftops i'm gonna Thank put you. this That's very sweet podcast everywhere because i feel like you've said so many you've said so many inspiring things to do today and 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 just you doing this is is so amazing and um who was mike rose was totally amazing in this movie he's here today hi mike incredible there he is and so like i guess i just want to know before we wrap up today can i say one thing about mike rose mike rose was hired on the strength of his reel and that is the importance of having an incredible creative um uh career because Mike Rose is a creator and he has he's made so many incredible shows and when I sent his reel to the studio I literally I was like Mike send me a reel and I shot it to the studio and they were just like oh my god yeah this guy's brilliant and so creating things just for the sake of your own personal creative satisfaction it does lead somewhere and and like Mike Rose is one of the most brilliant people that I know. Oh my God, Mike Rose has been making and creating things since For day years. day one, yeah. as long as we've known him. He like mm -hmm. made, I, he probably holds the award for the most uh, things made in Channel 101. Yes. He made some yes. something every month. Um, he made many, brilliant. many series. He played many characters. And he was so good in your movie, not as like a big character, just the subtle, the subtle power. Right. Yeah. I yeah. laughed every time he was on screen, just the subtle, like people think you got to do all the stuff to get noticed. And it's like, no. no, it's all right here. Yep. 
Uh, yeah. Same with Chelsea Peretti. I thought she was terrific. Your whole cast, everyone had such, um, every, I, everyone had really great moments, um, poignant yeah. moments and also LOL moments. Did you, um, why did you have to do so many la last minute rewrites? We had a table read with some of our nearest and dearest creative brilliant minds. And there was one character that uh, needed some work. And it was one of the, the, one of the major characters. And we just found that we had to dig into it a little bit more, but as you know, you dig into that and it, you know, you pull a thread and it, it, it pulls the whole thing. And so uh, the Molly character, it was, it was a fine line and I, I'll maybe debate this and maybe I'll change my mind on this, but she was a single mom and you have to be, you have to be careful not to make her, well, like the, the idea of unlikable or like, like if she was drinking too much, we had to toe that line. But I was kind of like, well, the character is going through a breakup. She's also denying it. So she wants to drink, but that makes her a bad mother. So people will hate her. So people won't like the movie. And, and so there was that fine line of following my instinct, but also listening to, you know, what's out there and making the character likable. And I still to this day go back and forth on, did I make it too, did I make her too likable? And did I not make her like real enough? Cause a woman going through, not saying Molly went through this, but like going through a divorce and, and being alone on a holiday and trying to forget about it. That was, a, it was, com it was complex. Okay, got it. So everyone needs to see this movie, Friendsgiving. It's out on all the platforms, everywhere you get your movies. By the way, it's put out by Saban Films, is it, yeah. which is, they're also putting out my new movie, Love Weddings Amazing. and Other, Love Weddings and Other D Disasters, which is out next next week, December 4th. That's um, incredible. It looks, that looks incredible. I love Diane Keaton. She is one of the OGs for me and I am dying to work with that woman. And I want to hear, I would love to have a private Zoom with you and just chat about that whole experience. Yeah, I would. Thank you, Nicole. Yeah, I would love to do that for sure. I got to yeah. tell you, she's, Diane Keaton is amazing. Yeah, I maybe, mean, she's a legend. Maybe she can do your next movie or something. Now I'm pitching Diane Keaton. Listen. Nicole, no, tell her yes, she's in. We start next week. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you do it in Hollywood, folks. That's how it's done, folks. I wanted to say for, for Thanksgiving, um, uh, for hashtag today's hashtag wellness moment, wellness moment, wellness moment, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going to say gratitude list is a big yes. wellness moment. It's a big way to turn your day around, create a new narrative within this day, say you're having a bad morning, maybe you take a nap, you start your second day. Now you're in a new day, okay? Maybe you start your second day with a gratitude list. Today being Thanksgiving, Nicole, do you have some things that you would like to express gratitude for? 
Absolutely. I would like to express gratitude for the LA comedy community. Um, I have learned so much from going to shows, from working with people, from being connected to people, from having conversations, from, from people just accepting you for who and where and what you are and for the overwhelming support of, of this project. And, um, I feel eternally grateful to be in this brilliant community of incredibly talented human beings. Like the amount of people that both you and I know over the last 20 years and getting to watch some like completely explode into the next stratosphere. And that's a learning experience. And, and from the, from the coffees that we've, we've had to the walks that we've had to the shows, it's just been an incredible learning experience and one that I'm really grateful for. That is so beautiful. I'm going to echo that sentiment because I feel like we're so lucky. We're so fortunate that we, of all the places in the world, of all the times in history, yeah. ended up in LA, in Los Feliz, in that vortex of Vermont Avenue. You were in that building with Drew Drogi across from yeah. Figaro. I, I started my first comedy show there, Tiger Lily. It ran 10 years. A, yes. block, a block from your building. Beck started there in a coffee shop playing music. Yes. and that we found the groundlings and um, we found this community. Yeah, it's been like a total family. Yeah. Just a yeah. giant family of the most brilliant, most chaotic, most beautiful experiences yeah. and people. So I'm super grateful for that today. Oh, that reminds me, did you have any meltdowns on set? You were like working 24 hours a day. Did you have any little meltdowns? No, <laughs> I, I didn't. I, the blooper reel truly was like what it was like on set. I was so happy. Like Chelsea Peretti, I'd be like, where's Chelsea? They'd be like, Oh, she went down the street to pump and she would go home in the middle of shooting. Like her nanny would meet her and she would pump. And I'm like, Oh good. I'm like happy that we could do that. That she, in order to get to get Chelsea to be a part of this movie, we had to just be flexible and, and, and while being flexible, she got to feed her baby, like an incredible thing. Um, yeah, no, no meltdowns on set. Sorry. I, I probably should have had one. So there could be some talking points, but no. you, on your next one, you got to stage one. You got to throw a phone yeah. at someone because Absolutely. then you'll get that viral buzz. I'm just Diane kidding. Keaton is going to get, a foam roller thrown at her head so hard. And I'm an athlete. I'll just miss it. But that'll be enough to really fire up the wagons. Yeah, that'll be all over TMZ. You guys can look for it. It's top of the mountain movie where Diane yep. Keaton gets clobbered. Mm -hmm. um, when she's on the top screaming, you know, when she's going like, ah! doing her Diane Keaton thing. In her shaman, in her shaman outfit with a cute hat and a, and a tux. She's going to get a real brick to the head. <laughs> so good to see you, my friend. Good to see you too. So happy. So happy for you. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye, everyone. Thanks Thank for joining. You, If you missed any Bye. part of this interview, you can uh, check it out online at Let's Process This Podcast, um, wherever you get your pods.
Have a beautiful holiday. Watch Friendsgiving. Bye.